Welcome to Do Not Listen to This Podcast. Uh, you can get all the information on the podcast at do not listen to this podcast.com. Just so you know, uh, 50% of the donations go to feeding stray cats and dogs, and then uh, 50% goes to uh, co- covering the cost of the podcast. Last week was our first week back, and I'm proud to say we fed over 200 stray cats and dogs, thanks to you. Um, now, I am excited about today's guest, and why don't you introduce yourself real quick? Okay, thank you, Roger. I am Glendalyn Dixon. I'm a change management consultant, as well as a post-secondary educator in leadership communications and business analysis. And the- I'm also a Canadian. Yeah, she's Canadian. So uh, <laughs> nice. She's very nice. She's also very smart and very funny. So uh, n- no pressure. Um, the reason I am so glad to have you on outside of the fact that you're one of my favorite people is um, we get to cover three topics and how, how the pandemic has kind of activated all three of these things, right? And those being change management, communication, and leadership. You know, it's, it's pre-pandemic. These were all things that were probably for most people on the uh, not so important to-do list, right? Unless they were in a crisis, but then the pandemic becomes a global crisis. And now you're in a crisis, whether you want to be or not. And now they're all brought up to the top. So which one do you want to talk about first? Change management, communication? Yeah, let's just go in the exact order you had them. So we'll go with change management. So why don't you talk a little bit about, and I think it's really important for people to understand organizations, and you could even look at this as if you were looking for a job, right? You have to manage change. Uh, that's what, Absolutely. That's, that's important. It doesn't just magically take care of itself. So why don't you talk a little bit about how you view change management and how you wish others viewed it? My view of change management is that it's really people focused. So every change that an organization department team implements usually has some kind of a process or technology factor. You know, we're looking for efficiencies. We're looking to reduce the amount of redundant work, for example, Mm -hmm. make things easier for our team. But what we fail to recognize is that when we focus exclusively on the process and technology, we have actually forgot about the people Mm. and we forget the impact that the change might have. They might actually really like that redundant part of their job because it means that they are confident that there's no errors, that they Mm -hmm. have the time to go back and make sure everything is perfect. For example, that's a great point. might be their emotional motivator. uh, What might be considered a weird task might be their reason they like doing it. Exactly. And when we go ahead and think about how we're going to make things more efficient and we forget about how that might impact somebody's role. And don't forget, we also identify very heavily with our role in an organization. A lot of us have a challenge actually separating who we are from our role. Mm -hmm. So a lot goes into it. And change management really focuses on making sure that all of the people that you start with before a change are there with you at the end, that they're along for the ride, that the change is going to stick when all is said and done. 
and that you've also taken their considerations, their expertise into consideration when you're going along with this change, when you're helping to design it. Yeah, that's so, right. If you don't bring them into the process, it's not going to work. Yeah, the way I look at it in a nutshell is that people like to participate in change. Mm -hmm. They don't like to receive change. Yeah, that's right. They like to feel a sense of control. Of and, course, and, and that they're being that yeah. their thoughts are valued, that they're yes, you know, they they are an expert in what they do, so regardless of what they do. So, so take them into consideration as part of this process of change. So, so in this in this post pandemic world, what have you noticed is the difference with how people are, you know, in organizations, or or then it could be either the people leading the change or the people on the receiving end of the change. What have you noticed that's different? If anything, well, what I can see, I don't know for a fact that significant, a significant shift has occurred. What I will say is that if I look at how busy I have been, if I look at job postings, quite frankly, there are a lot of postings out there right now for change management. Right. And I think that's because a lot of organizations are faced with significant overhauls right now. Mm -hmm. A lot of what has happened as a result of the pandemic isn't going to go away after the fact. That's right. There was a ready, there was a gap in readiness from a technology standpoint. There may be a need for us to have more flexibility with, for example, work from home. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of exposed business processes out there right now where companies are recognizing that they are not even at the end of the 20th century, let alone 21st century. Mm -hmm. So I see more companies wanting to invest in change management. And my hope is that they are doing it for the right reasons, which is really trying to put people first and include the people and all of their great insights into how to make things better, how to improve their business processes going forward after the pandemic. So my take on it from a consultant side is that where you might have thought change management was something you could get to pre-pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. I, think, I think if you have an organization of any size, it could be small, three, four, five people plus you know, to, to thousands. I think if you don't have change management in your, how you're approaching stuff, I think you're, you increase the probability of failure. I obviously agree. Yeah, well, and I, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how small, I, I mean. I, I, I know you would agree because that's what you do, right? <laughs> but I wanna say that as a consultant, you know, I, this is what we've been telling a lot of people. And we were telling people this before because the world was changing before COVID, right? The, the workplace issues, the, all that stuff was happening, right? And you needed to have a, a plan or you were going to be on the wrong side of it, right? So I think this is great timing. And you're a great person if somebody wants to, needs to reach out to and, and talk about doing that. Let's jump into communication because this one I think is really interesting. I think the pandemic has really intensified communication. What are, you, what are your thoughts? I see two really different impacts that are a result of the pandemic. The first one is naturally we have moved to a more digital style of communi 
communication, mm -hmm. which is not as effective in many cases. Mm -hmm. It can be overwhelming. You know, I, I hear people that have, you know, five Slack channels going, they're inundated with Zoom calls, and they're perhaps being over communicated to. Yeah, that's right. So they're not really involved in the communication. It's just all of this is hitting them. No, I think you're right. I think, I think that everybody, you know, when you're on the receiving side of communication in the pandemic, I think it's um, tougher because you're getting so much more information from your, your higher ups than you would have uh, pre-pandemic. And it can be quite draining. You know? Absolutely. And it can also be quite, it can, I see a big problem where it becomes a micromanaging thing you know, uh, like companies are so happy that they have some software on there that can tell exactly when their employees are on or work as if that means anything, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, it's horrible. I could not agree more. It's, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and, and I would say, I was just going to say that the second major impact that I see is that people are not comfortable applying the right type of communication to the technology. Right. So, you know, 1,200 emails going out where, you know, if we were in person in the office, there's always that point where you say, you know, I've been typing this email for four minutes. Mm -hmm. Would this not be much quicker if I just pop down and talk to, you know, whoever it might be? It's going to be obviously much quicker because I'm having to do a lot of explanation inside this email. Right. You know, we're seeing that inside of instant messages that are going on forever we're seeing far too many critical tasks being explained mm -hmm. inside of digital communications in a poor manner. And I think some of this comes from, we've had a real shift away from a very directive approach of communication. Mm -hmm. And it was for a right, right, the right reason. Nobody sure. wants to have a dictator as a manager. However, in times like well, this- Well, hold on, the dictator does. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, but in times like this, where we really need some really crisp, concise directions and expectations laid out for us, I think that we lack the ability to know how to communicate in a directive manner that is, you know, very truthful without being hurtful. Mm -hmm. People need to know what is expected of them right now. They're a little lost. We passed that six month wall. Fatigue is setting in. Right. So making sure that people actually know what is going to be expected of them going forward and be yeah. very concise with that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, I think from a communication, I'd say the biggest problems we see in communication, especially with email, is people trying to do too much. You know, just do one mm -hmm. thing. If you've got more than three sentences in the email, it's not an email. You know, it's like, and it should be focused on one thing. I think that's a, an important part. I, what, do you have a tip that you could give somebody of how, if, if they're on the receiving end of, you know, uh, too much communication and, and poor communication from their, their uh, leadership, which is going to move into the next topic, what tip or advice would you give them of how they could communicate to the higher ups? What would be more, uh, more effective communication style or, you know, how, how can they give feedback from, you know, upwards without hurting themselves? 
Well, I can't guarantee they won't hurt themselves because once again, there's that dynamic that, sure. I, you know, that's the uncontrollable element. However, right. feedback, love the topic. So constructive feedback works both ways. It doesn't matter if you are managing up or down or sideways for that matter. Constructive feedback is always so important. So being specific, first of all, okay. what is the, you know, let's not just say, you know, there was a million emails sent yesterday, you know, don't exaggerate, let's be specific. Right. So take some time to collect your information and say, you know, there were 20 emails back and forth about this one topic. Right. And what's the impact of that to you? Yeah, no, I so think that's great. I don't know when I should when should I pay attention to this. No, I think that's a Are great. Are we done with the conversation? Was yeah. it? This is the impact: is that the twenty emails back and forth took away from me doing the cool. job that you're expecting me to do. I have no clarity on what's the expectation after these twenty emails. So you know, this is what I would like to see happen. That's great. What do you think? And, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Make those ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and then make those suggestions. You might right. not get everything on your wish list, but right. But at least you've said you it. You can't just say, yeah. You can't just say this is overwhelming. You've, you've stated the impact, but now what would you like to see? You know, could we have? If this is not going to be a fully fleshed out idea, let's have a brainstorming session. It's a half hour where we, you know, that's the right. Place I, to have this ideation, I, not emails back and forth. I think you hit on something really important, which I think when people, you know, feel like, you know, uh, you know, they're my boss or whatever, and you know, how do I want to do this? They have to be mindful that if they don't do it, they're robbing the boss of the opportunity to change or even become aware. Right? The the boss might be in denial about how you know how it's being received, right? And if you uh -huh. rob if you rob them of the chance to change the behavior, that's you know that's not going to stop the behavior. Also, if you're not specific with a solution, you know, if you're not saying, okay, this is the problem, but this is how we could solve it. If you're not bringing a solution to the conversation, in my opinion, you you're just adding to the problem. There's a phrase that I heard several years ago. This is not mine, but I love applying this because it works for leadership, but it also works for every one of us that has somebody we report to at some time in our lives. And that is what you permit, you promote. Mm, that's a good one. I like that. So as a leader, if you see bad behavior in a meeting and you don't do anything to stop it, what you are effectively stating is that you're promoting that that's acceptable. That that's okay. That, 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 you're and not, that there's happens not going to be any people. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and the same goes. Like, if you're getting overwhelmed by those emails, but you're not making an attempt to correct that behavior or demonstrate the impact, then you're effectively promoting that that's okay. Yeah, that's right. And I know this is a, a topic of confusion for a lot of people, this last one that we're going to hit, but I definitely think that the pandemic has brought this to the, the top of thing, which is leadership, right? And my own take on leadership when we have to do it is I explain to people, there's no proven data on the, you can do leadership any way you want and get the results. There, you know, there are, there is no perfect way to do leadership, but there's some great data on 
followers and how to be good followers and smart followers and what to do and what not to do to, to, you know, to not have problems. So um, let's talk about what, what you think happened with the pandemic and leadership. Two things that I think really impacted afterwards or what, what bubbled to the surface, I should say with leaders were those that were comfortable switching up the communication style because they did have to communicate through a crisis, which quite often means communicating when you don't have all the information, when you don't know what tomorrow or next month looks like. Mm -hmm. And yet you have to be as transparent as you can. You have to, again, motivate and keep morale high for your team. Mm -hmm. And they have to trust you. And so a lot of leaders, I think, may have struggled because they were thrown into a crisis with no crisis communications, familiarity or experience. And then the second was, you know, I think there was a lot of empathy shown in the initial few months. Right. But now we're settling in again. We've passed, most countries have passed that six or seven month mark. And now there tends to be, uh, this is business as usual. And what they're forgetting is that it isn't normal. Right. So even when we talk about best practices, as we just did for, you know, digital communication. Right. Recognize that the people working from home may not be there because they want to be. Right. It isn't the same as, you know, not everyone has the luxury of a dedicated home office. Many parents are still having children at home. Yeah. The school, they might have spouses or roommates, they don't have their own private space. Mm -hmm. So right now, I think it's important that leaders don't forget that just because it's a bit of a routine now, it still isn't normal. It still isn't the ideal situation for their staff to be perhaps working from home or the heightened anxiety if they are going back on site. Mm-hmm. So making sure that there's still a lot of empathy and that you are giving your staff a little bit of extra downtime mm-hmm. room, you know, don't book eight hours worth of zoom meetings. Why not? That's so, how, how that's are they going to get their work done? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I have a limit on no more than two zoom meetings a day. And even, you know, even that sometimes I'm glad when I only have one mm-hmm. because they just become, it just become, they can all run into each other and not be productive at all. Well, exactly. They're not productive. And we've really lost that sense of connection that we, mm-hmm. you know, hanging out by the water cooler, yes. passing each other in the hall, those little conversations, the, hey, how are you? How was your weekend? Which were all of the really good things about working in an office environment that have been taken away. Right. And people say, oh, well, they could have small chat on the Zoom, but then that's not necessarily private. You also have everybody in the meeting listening in. Yeah. And I think and it isn't the same. It's forced. No, it is. And I think people forget, like, you know, look, uh, a lot of people like going to work because they get a break from their home. You know, like absolutely, and that commute is something people miss right now. Yeah, yeah, and so, so there are people. You know, it's it. it, There are people that are like, look, I would really much rather be at work than here. (laughs) You know, Uh, and that's you know, you've got to become aware of how how do you help them. You know, how do you help them navigate that stuff? 
Well, what would you like, to, what message on these three topics, and you can take some time on this if you want, what would you like the listeners to take away from, you know, change management, communication, and, and leadership? Right now, I would say that many organizations have a fantastic opportunity to take a step back and reevaluate what their actual business is, for one thing. Mm -hmm. uh, just digitizing everything isn't the answer. Mm -hmm. So taking, taking a really good look you know, I'm going to have a little small plug for business analysis here, but having a good look at where are you best positioned to go forward? What, where is the right place to make the change? Right. What processes can be improved going forward? I, I think what we're seeing, especially in healthcare, for example, is that people from a change management perspective, organizations are now bringing in more people the actual folks that, you know, go to the hospital, people that are using these systems and they're finally getting the opportunity to have their voice heard instead of an organization just running rampant and saying, well, we're just going to digitize everything. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the process itself is broken and just laying, layering on new technology isn't going to help. Right. From a leadership and communication standpoint, I just think that it is... It's such a great time for people to reinvest or invest the first time in, you know, advancing their communication skills, incorporating a little more empathy into their leadership, and also recognizing that, you know, this isn't a normal, trying really hard to go the extra mile for their teams to recognize that your team is still made up of individuals. I think that's a challenge when we are no longer face-to-face -face with people. We're all just right. dancing rectangles on a computer that we just treat everybody as a collective. And we miss out on catching those small cues that you know something isn't resonating with one person or that they might have something that they wish to say Mm -hmm. So making more of an effort to have that one-on-one -on -one availability with your team, I think is really critical moving forward. That's great. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much. No problem. Thanks, Roger.